Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. I preached from this text just recently, but I'm looking at it just a little bit different. Then we're going to go to Jonah chapter 4. Then we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. The healing of depression. The healing of depression. Depression is not from God. Sickness is not from God. Disease is not from God. And the Lord's going to help set you free. There's a number of people here. By the word of the Lord, there's a number of people here that are struggled with trauma. And uh, that trauma has not fully been resolved. And as a result of that, there's been a cycle of depression in your life. Lord's going to heal you tonight. Yes. Amen. Yes. Elijah chapter, uh, pardon me, Elijah in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, go to verse 3. And this is Jezebel threatening the prophet who just wiped out the prophets of Baal. Verse 3, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came to sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. How many would say that would be depression? And he said, it's enough now. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. My, 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 that's a, that's a hard day for Elisha, the great man of the God. Go to Jonah. Oh, no, you didn't. I had it all marked. And it just flew away, but I've got it. Thank you, Jesus. Jonah chapter 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord, ah, Lord. Was it not this, what I said, when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious, merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life for me. For it's better for me to die than to live. It would also be a very depressing day in the life of Jonah. Verse 4 says, And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under the shade till they might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plan and made it cover up Jonah that he might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah is very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. I hate that. <laughs> and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun rose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself. And said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is it right for me to be angry even, even to death? But the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. Should I not have pity on Nineveh, the great city? in which no more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between right hand and their left and much livestock. One more scripture. You okay standing? Should we sit? You all right? Sit down if you need to. It's all right. First Samuel, and if you want to remain standing, I'm going to keep standing, so Okay. <laughs> 1 Samuel 16, go to verse 14 if you can find that, and then we're going to get it. Going to get after it. 
First Samuel 16, verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let your master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that when he plays with his hand and the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. Something about an anointed worship service can set people free. Go to verse 23 of that same chapter, 16, 1 Samuel 16, verse 23, last verse for tonight in the main text. And so it was whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play with his hand and Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Father, I pray that you would move with great power tonight. That you would manifest your presence and your power upon us, your people, the flock in your care. And that you would decimate every assignment of darkness, every assignment of depression, any assignment of fear or anxiety or infirmity or any other troubling spirit. You'd release your power here in such a way to permanently deliver and set people free from anguish, depression, and the root of it. That never again will there be a people who listen to this message respond the same way that they used to. They would live in the joy of the Lord. So may the effects of this service be far-reaching even to eternity. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise. Now if you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just lay your hands on your heart and pray in the Holy Ghost. Lord, We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have notes for you. We lived in Hawaii for 14 years. My wife just a few years less than that. And I've heard people say, you know, it's because of all the dark that people get depressed here in Alaska. Well, the, the news is, is that I lived in Hawaii and it's hardly ever dark there. And it's like all oh, the sun is always out and people are depressed there too. So now there is vitamin D deficiency. I understand that. And, and gloomy days, like if you ever lived in Seattle, I understand that. But it's more than just environment. It's more than just vitamin D. Has anybody ever been depressed here? All right. Some people are more prone to depression than others. And uh, I think there can be a number of reasons for that. And this is not a be-all to end-all message on the roots of depression, but I'm going to try to wholesale take care of it. And maybe you know, how many of you know somebody that's been depressed? Listen, when I looked out my window today, I woke up for morning prayer, and I thought, for the love of God. When I saw some, I saw some Instagram from Mike Sisson, part of our church, and he, he, he put up, yeah, it snowed, and then he just does this close-up and says, it does that like every year, so, you know, don't be surprised. Truth is, it doesn't do it every year, but it is about every other year, by my estimation and remembrance of things. One year specifically, not so much this year, one year specifically it snowed, and I was like, I had just gotten all my honeybees. And, you know, snow is not good for honeybees. Because when the sun comes out and the hive warms up and the snow is still there, they have a tendency to fly out of their hive. They flip right upside down and fly right into the snow. I, I don't know what's up with that. They get confused where the sky is. And it's uh, very bad for beekeepers. But Depression. <laughs> the enemy of your soul. The enemy of your soul desires you to live in depression. He wants to rob you of joy. And if you can be robbed of joy, then your strength will be sapped. Your strength will be robbed. You cannot allow the enemy to rob you of joy. Depression is a growing problem in our society today. I'm coming down. 
depression's a growing problem in our society today. And, you know, recently we had somebody that obviously was so depressed that they took their own life. That just happened a couple weeks ago. Young man that grew up in this church. It was, uh, it was, it is very upsetting for us. Not nearly as upsetting as a family. The Sullivans, and we love them. We're praying for them. If they're online, may the Lord touch you through this message. Obviously, so depressed that took a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I don't know if you've been there in your life. I have. And so I come to you with this message, not from some theory, but from one who has been able to break out of depression by the word of the Lord and the principles of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And joy, I would say, is one of the main emotions I experience in my life. It's not depression, it's, it's joy. And if, if the Lord did that for me, and he did, it for, he did it for so many others, he can do it for you. If he made the earth in six days and rested on the seventh, he can fix your problem in about 30 seconds. What do you think? It is a goring problem in our society. And depression can be caused by a spectrum of things. Um, there's neurological issues. There is, uh, there's trauma, as I was talking about earlier. There's uh, chemical imbalances. There's, there's deep wounds. I remember in my own life, before we get to these texts, in my own life, right at Christmas time was one of the most painful times in my family. As I grew up, parents divorced by the time I was seven. We weren't like a good Christian family. Confused, hurting. The father, who is one of my best friends, and I can't call him my friend, he's my father. I deeply respect him. I love him. I'll be seeing him in about a week. I'll go see him for a few days down in Florida. I'm so grateful he's still alive. And, uh, and I, I love and respect him, but his father died when he was 17, and he was one of five children, and, and he didn't really get much from his dad. So if you don't get much from your dad, I mean, you're just doing the best you can to give what you have to your children, right? Do you understand? You can't give what you don't have. And so in my family, as it blew apart, especially during the holidays, it was like every Thanksgiving and Christmas was like hell for me. And I would go into this deep, like a deep brooding anger and depression. And I, I couldn't figure out what the problem was. It's because of a deep hurt and rejection in my life as a seven-year-old boy with my parents divorcing themselves, you know, getting divorced. And the confusion of that, I remember it so vividly. The sting is gone now. But back then in all those years of the cycle, a cycle of captivity was in my life, and it had to be diffused. Lots of reasons for people's depression uh, and anxiety. You know, we had that earthquake, 7.0, 7 7.1, whatever it was. There was people here in the church that experienced a large earthquake, 9 point, 9 point, <laughs> 9.2, you would know you were in it. Wow, you were in it too, Bill, 9.2. So, you know, you go through a 9.2 that rolls for, what, four minutes, five minutes? Um, um, that, like, does something to you. And so when you then experience another shake like our 7.0, it, it, it can really mess with you. You have, you have your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul. In, in the realm of your soul, you know, many people need healing. And if you've been through trauma like divorce or uh, accidents or injuries, uh, uh, sexual traumas, rape, and so on and so forth. Come on, children's churches upstairs. Oh, I see some kids. Whoops. You've got to be healed of those traumas. I was defiled recently. Something happened to me that just, it just, it just bothered me. It just got on me, you know. And it wasn't really all that big, a big a deal, you wouldn't think. But in my spirit, it felt like a big deal. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, if it feels like a big deal, then it is. But listen, Jesus is able to heal you. To be like, oh, God. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean, it's not that big a deal. Well, if it feels like a big deal, maybe it's connected to something else, too. 
You see, most Christians never really get down to the root of, their, of the issues that they have. And so they're constantly walking around broken in the place with their fathers, with their mothers, with siblings, with divorce, with rejection, molestation. And if you don't get healed of the root causes of things, it can certainly bring depression. So... Let's look at this text, the story of Elijah, this great man of God. And um, he wipes out the prophets of Baal. I mean, he's doing so much. He outruns a chariot. He prays, and then, you know, he prays, and the heavens were shut up for three and a half years. And at the word of the Lord, everybody say, at the word of the Lord. At the word of the Lord, he prayed again, and the heavens were open. Okay, so at the word of the Lord, anything can happen. He prays. He's, he's contending. I mean, he's just in it full blast. And by the time he wipes out the prophets of Baal, he's so tired, I believe. And he's so overwhelmed that he basically wants to die after. I mean, I don't know how you, you lose your perspective at Jezebel, right? You just wiped out everybody. And Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And he, and he freaks out. It could have been that he was so exhausted, biologically, tired, emotional. There's some say a post-adrenaline depression is a real thing. When you're experiencing fight or flight, you know, how many of you know what fight or flight is? You, so you're just, you know, you're constantly like on edge. And, and then when that lets up, you can feel a heaviness. I mean, that's just, a, that's a, a real thing. Listen, Jesus went away to solitary places and he prayed. Some people don't know about getting away from their stressors. How many of you know that if you don't get away from your stressors and the haters, they just seem to become so much bigger than they actually are? Molehills become mountains if you keep staring at them and you get too tired. As I've gotten, uh, as I'm maturing. I was going to say gotten older, but I'm not really... I mean, remember, 50 is a new 30. Come on, someone say hallelujah. When I get really tired, it's not good. If I get really tired and worn out, my wife knows, you know, I just get a little edgy. The wick gets really short. I don't give real good counsel. And when somebody does something that might be a little foolish, I'll respond in a way like it's a big problem as opposed to it's a little one. And the problem really is moi. That's French. It's French moi, right? French. Me, the problem's me, because I'm exhausted and I can't see things clearly. Post-adrenaline depression, disorder of the endocrine system. There's disorder of metabolisms. It, is, um, it has been shown by some studies, ladies don't get mad at me, but it, it is shown by some studies that women are, seem to be more susceptible or vulnerable than men. And uh, I don't know if that's true, but, but I, I read that. And, um, and if it's wrong, don't blame me. Amen. You need counseling about that? Just see Minister Lori and she'll help you. Amen. Her number is 1-800-neurotransmitter-problems. Elijah gets rest and is nourished. And God corrects his faulty thinking. If you go and study this and look at it, God corrects his thinking. He says, you're not alone. There's 7,000 more. Now, come on now. Come on. His thinking is off. He's exhausted. And he needs some fresh baked food from the iron, the, uh, the iron chef angel who comes and cooks for him. Let's look at 1 Samuel. Saul's story. He uh, is chosen by the prophet to be the king. Israel cries out for a king, even though God wanted to be a theocracy to them, their lawgiver, their judge. But they wouldn't have it. They wanted to be like the other nations, so they begged for a king. And he's like, fine, you're not going to like it. They're gonna, he's going to make you serve it. He's going to do all that. They're like, yes. Crazy. Anyway, he becomes their first king. And before you beat Saul up, I mean, he had the first standing army. He was, he was used mightily in, in many ways. But he also ended up rejecting the word of the Lord and succumbing to, uh, to the pressure of the people. 
And if you study that, he texted, uh, but he didn't text anything. I'm doing a fast of sorts, so if I skip occasionally, I'm glad I got your attention. You're like, he texted? No, he didn't text. <laughs> Who are we talking about? We're talking about Saul. Saul, re- Saul rejected the word of the Lord from Samuel and sacrificed uh, the, before the prophet had come, and he rejected, and God rejected him and chose David in his place. But he remains king. The anointing's gone. And he begins to be depressed by an evil spirit. If you go to, um, I believe it's Isaiah chapter 61. Turn there, please. Not in your notes, just as bonus. Talking about dealing with depression. You know, the good news is you don't have to have it all figured out of what the cause is. Yeah, Isaiah 61. I don't know if you're analytical and you want to know all the ins and outs of why everything is. Um, I'm certain you're not confident of how the planets spin around and don't crash into each other or how God speaks and there's still light. We have finite minds. And I've come to the understanding and the simple mind that I have is that God is good and he wants to bless me and he wants to give me joy and depression's not from God. So I settled it. So whenever I go through something where I start feeling maybe a heaviness, and this is what what Isaiah talks about, I run to the Lord and I get prayer and I get filled with the Spirit and either I ask him to show me what's the root of this. Sometimes I get it. Other times I don't want things for sure. I'm not staying in the valley of the shadow of death. One thing's for sure. I'm not going to stay depressed. I refuse to stay depressed. I will not be overcome. I will not be depressed, pushed down. I will not be filled with anxiety. I will rise and declare the glory of God. I'll lift my hands. He's the lifter of my head. Come on, somebody. He's the lifter of my head. He pours out. I will be anointed with fresh oil. Most people look on the social media and, and, and get all involved in all kinds of stuff that's not going to help you. If you learn to lift your hands and pray in the Spirit till you have a breakthrough, have somebody pray for you. Come on. Push yourself away from some of the sugar, maybe. Listen, that's a big one for me. Man, are you really, really... I was talking to the Lord because I just can't believe some of the stuff he has me do. I'm going to go on this side right now. Praise God. Because I'm going to feel the love right over here. No. The truth is that Pastor Karen keeps me on the beam. Thank God for you. When my parents went through all that divorce stuff, I started understanding that if I would eat a lot of sugar, like chocolate chip cookies, whole packages of Oreos, uh, I just I would find some comfort. And that's what would happen. And so I would eat a whole a whole like I'd sit down at the TV, and you know before it would turn off. That's before it would turn off at night. Boo! Yeah, anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so and, and I'd eat the whole I'd eat the whole you know whole bag of Oreos. I'd eat the chips ahoy. I'd eat the whole thing. The whole thing. And then I would just go to bed and just be like, I, I would be stoned on sugar. Now, I didn't know it back then, but that's, that started the pattern in my life. And then when things got, you know, even more intense or I'd go through deep upset, I became a teenager and backpacks, backpacks were in. I would take my backpack. I wasn't saved. Everybody say he wasn't saved when he did this. Okay, very good. Yeah, I'd take my backpack and I'd go in the AMPM or whatever it was. It was a supermarket, like the, not like these giant stores now, but you know, big enough. And uh, I would take my backpack and I would steal whole cases of candy, like the whole box, the whole box, the whole box. And I would put it in my backpack and I would hike out into the woods and I'd sit on a rock 
or on a tree stump or whatever and eat the whole box. And I remember after doing that once, I kind of sat back. I couldn't actually finish it because I was going to throw up. But I only, I mean, I only came like three or four short. I was close. I just would sit back and it was just this, this, I was getting high from sugar. And I did it to overcome emotional trauma and distress and depression. And then when I would come down from that, I'd feel suicidal. And listen, that actually was, was sin, was opening the door to addiction in my life. And I don't want to go into all the testimony that I have. I've been set free for 25 years. But. A spirit of heaviness. Are you all there in, uh, in Isaiah? Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for a spirit of of heaviness. Now the Old Testament says that this evil spirit went from the Lord. The truth of that is that the Old Testament, it's kind of like you weren't quite sure where it all came from. New Testament, very black and white. So evil spirits come from, from evil. They don't come from the Lord. But if you come out from under the hand of the Lord, you're susceptible to evil spirits. So it's not that the evil spirit comes from God, God sent an evil spirit on you. No, that's not what happened. Because when Jesus comes, like cockroaches scattering everywhere, you see demons being cast out, people being healed, people being set free. I mean, everywhere when Jesus comes, it's like a giant light, boom, goes on. And you see what God is really like. He's good. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's long-suffering. He's more than able. When it's tax time, he told him to go fishing. Come on. Does anybody need a fish? <laughs> Heal the sick. Set the captives free. Cast out devils over and over. All who came to Jesus were healed. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. But in the Old Testament, there's more of a sovereign view and it, it gets a little cloudy. So when you read the scripture about a, a distressing spirit coming on Saul, understand clearly it's a demonic assignment. And when this says a spirit of heaviness in Isaiah, there is a spirit of depression. There is a spirit of suicide. There is a spirit of heaviness that can come on you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? An evil spirit can come through sin. As in the case of Saul. He opened the door through his disobedience for, for basically a heavy a spirit of heaviness or a depression spirit to come on him. Are you telling me that my actions could possibly be the cause of, yeah. Duh. Which way did he go? Which way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sin opens a door to the devil. He said, well, which one? All of them. He said, well, did, did you sin today? I did. I did. What'd you do? I got irritated. It was my flesh. I got in the flesh for a second. I'm not talking like big sin, you know. I, I do even, but you know, how many of you know, the you, closer you get to Jesus, the evil, your little sins are big. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't rob a bank today? Amen? Amen. You know what I'm saying? I didn't eat a case of Reese's peanut butter cups today. Today I called on the Lord when it was snowing. Shaka Tadamahaya. Oh, God. Lord, help my bees and, and um, let it melt. Let it melt. Yeah. Let it die, let it die, let it shrivel up and die. Okay. 
So sin can open the door to an evil spirit. And say, listen, don't, listen, God's not winking at your sin. They start smiling or something. I'm just going to keep preaching on that and I'll come running all over the pews and stuff. Okay, so you think your porn issue is not an issue. Actually, it is. And it opens a door to a spirit of lust. If you stay involved, you need to repent of that thing. You need to shut the door. And a spirit of lust can come on you. Same thing with anger. Same thing with greed. Sin. Sin will mess you up. The remedy, we've got to repent of sin. And we have to forgive others. That's a big one. And you got to take steps to be healed and delivered. Something my son said to me was a profound thing. I'm not sure he understood how profound it was, but he said, Dad, uh, you, know how, you know how we've just lived in God's presence in our home pretty much our whole lives? It's our whole lives we've been just living in God's presence, right? And I said, that's right. And we can say that. We can say that my home, my house, has been filled with God's presence for decades. I don't have ongoing sin and rebellion in my house. I don't tolerate it. Never have. In my own life, first and foremost, my wife doesn't tolerate it, especially. We didn't tolerate it with our kids. And now that they're really young adults, they don't tolerate it either. And God's presence rests on my home. I've had people come to my house. Listen, it's not just like my home. Oh, you're because you're pastor. No, it's not because I'm pastor or anything. It's because I just love Jesus and endeavor to live for him. And when I have, when I've blown it, we repent, you know, and we just live, try to live close to him. And he's keeping changing us. And, you know, we're more healed now than we were 20 years ago. We were uptight. Oh, yeah. We were talking about, can I tell you just about how uptight? We were a little bit uptight because, because of what we came out of. My wife was following two gurus. I basically was a hardcore drug addict that got delivered from the street. Somebody said, no, you're lying. Whatever. That's the truth. So she followed two gurus, sold everything and followed them, two spiritual teachers, two demonized the real ones, real demonized, real manifested demonic teaching and was following them. And I was just, you know, the, the, the case of Reese's became <laughs> other things and, uh, and almost ended, ended my life. Truth is, I wanted to die, but I couldn't pull that off. And God spared me over and over. More guns and knives over and over. Don't be concerned. It wasn't last week. All right. It was a long, long time ago. My wife says she never knew that man because he's dead. He, he was crucified with Christ and no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Come on. Anybody else been crucified? Ah! Anybody else free? Come on, Jesus. So when we, you know, when we got married and we decided to have children and then Hannah came along, we just had our spiritual kung fu on all the time. No, if you could see, if the veil was pulled back to see the darkness that's after you, you would be freaked out if you'd be in every morning prayer meeting I have. And you wouldn't do half the stuff or watch half the stuff you do. Thank God we don't get to see that realm. At moments, my eyes are open to things when I need to be. We don't need to live in fear of the devil. We live in the fear of the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools go where angels fear to tread. The Amplified Version says, complete, utter morons and idiots go where an angels fear to tread. No, it doesn't really. I just... Uh... <laughs> but that is amplified, isn't it? So when, when we got, you know, born again and saved and walking with the Lord and got married, it was glorious, decided to have children, Hannah comes along, we didn't want anybody slapping her five. No, I mean, like, if you wanted to hold my baby, the answer is like, no, mostly. There were some exceptions, because I don't know where your hands have been. I don't know what you got at home. I don't know what you've been watching. I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know what your walk is like. I don't know if you're still carrying generational iniquity, bondages, and, and demons. I don't know what's going on with you. You can't touch my baby. 
So we were just kind of like, there was, and it became, it was a little bit of overboard. Except my kids serving God and in college, getting good grades, loving Jesus. So, I mean, praise God. But I know it was a little bit uptight. So, especially I knew when, and I remember it too. I remember where we were standing and everything. Pastor Shannon, who was, yeah, 13 and in our youth group, comes up to us and says, high five. And we're like, she doesn't do that. She's like, okay. Because hands are for laying hands on people. And they're holy. And we don't do ignoble high fives. You know, we were a little uptight. <laughs> well, listen, if you came out of what we came out of, you might find yourself being a little uptight. And you know what? It, God, God brought us some balance. And um, he's still... He's still helping Pastor Karen. Amen. <laughs> wow. Pastor Vince told me to say that. You got to take steps to be healed and delivered. You got to live in God's presence. Back to what my son was saying. We love God's presence in church, at a church. And something happened in our children while they were raised in that environment, is that they have great discernment. And I mean, like, they have a greater discernment than I have, I think. And the reason is, is because they've been raised in God's presence. And so when the moment they feel a shift, they know, whoop, uh, there's something, something wrong here. Something wrong, something wrong, something wrong. Because it's not God's presence or something's intruding or something's taking place. When you get in God's presence, listen, God's presence will heal you you got to live in God's presence. Now, I don't know how you say you love God with all your heart and then just go watch all kinds of nasty movies. And, and uh, I'm not, I, don't know how you, I, don't, I don't know how you say you love God with all your heart and you want to be free and you want to be on fire, but you pollute yourself with all kinds of music, with straight perversion and all kinds of stuff. I know that's nobody in here. You guys are just amazing. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and slap them five? Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Go up to B. Go to Jonah. This passage of Jonah here, Jonah 4, 1 through 11, is profound. Jonah is, uh, does not like Nineveh. And the reason he doesn't like Nineveh most likely is that uh, they were, if you understand that, the Assyrians, they were wicked. Wicked in a way that, that we ha can't fathom. Uh, it'd be defiling to actually go study the culture and to see what they did to their enemies. Absolutely unthinkable cruelty. Uh, I mean, horrible atrocities. They would, straight genocide. And so... My sense is that I think Jonah was not, hated them because of that, and he would, it would be an awesome day if God would just set them all on fire and kill them all because that just would be good because of all the pain that they caused Israel. And yet God speaks to him and says, go to Nineveh, the very capital of Assyria. And he's like, uh, no, I'm not going. How many of you know you can't say no to God? I mean, you could try you could try to say no, it just doesn't work too well. He says, no, I'm not going because they might repent. And so he gets on a boat and goes to Tarshish. And God sends a big storm. And, and, and they're all calling on their gods. And basically Jonah's like, it's me. It's my fault. Throw me overboard and it'll see. And they're like, no, we don't want to throw you overboard. I mean, they weren't evil, wicked men outrightly and just wanted to see him die. But in the end, they're all going to die. So he's like, throw Jonah over. Some of you have Jonah living in your basement. You should probably get him to get a job and get out of your house. Come on, someone say amen. Some of the turmoil that's in your house is because of who's actually in it. 
you can be codependent to the point where you've got a Jonah on board and that thing can actually bring storms and challenges and problems. Let me say, in relating to a conversation that I had with some dear friends of mine earlier today, I'm not referring to that situation. I would never do that. But clearly in this text with Jonah on the boat, the boat is sinking because disobedient Jonah is on the boat. So the, these men, they throw him over and then the sea is still. God prepared a fish. They call it a whale, but we don't know if it's a whale. It's just a big fish. Swallowed him and brought him to the place of obedience as he repented Three days in the belly of the fish. Three days. And he's thrown, the, the fish throws him up on the sea, on the shores of Nineveh. And they worshiped like the fish god. So he comes out smelling like fish guts. Oh, yeah, no, he, did, he didn't get like a hot shower when he hit the beach. Can you imagine like, I mean, come on, you know what guri is? You know what fish slime is? Dude's in a belly of a fish for three days, and he gets puked up on the shore. I'm telling you, homeboys stank. And they have no essential oils either. Take any of that out. You know, hot shower. And he walked up, maybe even partially digested. Oh, yeah, I, I, think, he's, I think he's probably like, you know, a little paler. A couple sheets had a, an exfoliant. Fish stomach exfoliant. It's probably going to be all the rage. Do you understand? He, he might have had seaweed hanging on him. The dude like, looked like a zombie. A zombie apocalypse. Here he is, smelling like a fish. And he obeys. And he's just like, you're all going to die if you don't repent. He's like, I hope you don't, you bunch of dirtbags. Yeah! Uh, and the king repents, and they all fast. Even the children, even the, even the animals fast. They fast and repent, and they put on sackcloth and ashes. It's a picture of repentance. The story of Jonah. The problem of his depression, reactive depression, it's a reaction to loss because they repented and he wasn't happy about it. Listen, let me just give you a clue. You want to be happy about what God's happy about. Don't be mad about what God's not mad about. Be happy. Repentance is good. But I think because in Jonah's soul, you know, what was, the, what, was the root of, what was the root of his loss? I think he had a deep-rooted hatred for them, given the, the culture and the time that he, they was living in. If you look at the, at the root of what your loss is, look at some of the trauma you've gone through. One of the things we did in the process of being healed in my life and, and Pastor Karen's life is we made a list of all the deep hurts that we went through. And, you know, the time when your dad dropped you on your head. So I heard about that. I wrote it down. I've got, it, like, nothing. There's no ping. You know what a ping is for a computer? Okay, so it's not like, I mean, I, okay, they dropped me on my head. I don't remember that, and it doesn't, I'm, whatever. I, I, there's nothing there. However, there was another time when I'm riding my bike around the neighborhood, right just before the big divorce of my family I told you about, and I ride my, it was a barracuda, it was a Schwinn Barracuda with a banana seat. Yeah. Woo, that thing was bad. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I was right before I translated to English racers. A Raleigh, I had a Raleigh English racer. It was the hottest bike on the, yeah, anyway. And the, and the banana seat had sparkles. Does anybody remember that? That's like 1976, five, something like that. So I ride, I ride my bike in, you know, can we remember the brakes? You remember? Okay. Anyway, I skid in, I get off my bike and I don't see the cars in the front of the house. So I'm like six, seven years old. And I open the door. I say, is anybody home? And my father yells from the other side of the house. Nope, nobody's here. I shut the door and I'm like, they've all left. They left me. I jumped on my, 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 my bike. I raced down the street. 
all the way to our fort. We had dug a hole in the ground, and we had a giant fort. I went, and I went into our fort, and I'm crying. I'm like, they love me. And I thought, well, who was that that said, oh, that was my dad. <laughs> oh, that was my dad. Sir, they actually were home. He was teasing me. But it hit such a deep place of rejection for me. Because that's right, there was no one home, actually, even though they were. I needed healing in that. I needed healing from the time when, when I couldn't find my parents, I couldn't find my brother. I needed healing from the rage that went on inside my house. There was all kinds of things I needed healing from. So why are you saying all this, Pastor? Because some of you deal with the cycle of depression and anxiety and these things in your life. You've never, ever confronted the deep loss in your home. You've never confronted the deep loss of rejection, abandonment, of, uh, of words like children to be seen and not heard, and why aren't you like your brother, or you know, hiding yourself in the closet when your alcoholic father comes home to beat your mother for the 15th time, wondering if you're going to live through it. You trying, to, you trying to get at my heart? Yeah, I am. Because if you really want to get rid of depression, you're going to have to deal with things and the loss and the problems that you've gone through. And you confront them and you bring them to Christ. Listen, Jesus was crucified for that atrocity that happened to you in your house when you were a little girl, when you were a little boy. You got to get healed. You got to get healed. You got to get healed of the trauma of a 9.2 earthquake. You got to get healed of the different issues in your life, that loss, abandonment. <laughs> now, let me just tell you, that was from the Jetsons. Okay. I have a music thing. I have a music thing. I've had it forever. So jingles and, and music. So uh, this is wonderful. It's the Lord. I don't know whoever, if that was Jesus, is your phone or text or whatever. Uh, thank you. Because when I, you know, his boy Elroy, right? Okay, all right, all right. Okay. I remember when I first saw that show, I remember some of the first episodes, and I remember that I remember that music. I can instantly remember being in on the couch in front of the TV that had a crack in it because we took marbles and tried to kill the bad guys and broke the tube. My dad got really bad. He's like, "I'm not buying a new TV. It was brand new." We're like, "Get that out!" Glad it didn't blow up. See, there's things that, that, that can tie you to memories, and music is one of them. And, and if you'll just allow the Lord to bring these things up, and when you feel a, a trigger, you know what a trigger is? It's kids kind of like, all of a sudden you feel like, oh, a little bit of sadness for a second. Then you bring, Lord, what's that about? You can ask him, Lord, where is that from? Lord, would you show me what that was from? And boom, you'll have a memory sitting on the couch, throwing the marble at the TV, and your dad coming in and ripping you and you fearing for your life. That's actually not what happened, but I'm using it as an illustration. Immediately terrified. You want to go get your bag of Oreos and eat them all. So you stuff things down and you hold things down. Now you're a Christian. When you ask Jesus into your life, he comes into your spirit and he comes into your heart, right? But you got to get him into your soul. You got to work it through all the fear, all the hurt, all the pain. Is anybody being encouraged in this beautiful service tonight? Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so great. Nobody's rushed to pulpit tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nobody fell out and took out a row of chairs. A little bit of order tonight. Come on, lift your hands to heaven.
I'm gonna, I'm gonna just so you get to know me a little bit. Just get to know me a little bit. You know why I like gospel music so much? It's not because I just like gospel music. I love gospel music. And my favorite kind is that old school Mahalia Jackson music. Why is that? Because right when I was six or seven, my mama would play it. Can you hold up a second? My mama would play it, and we had a lady that, that helped us. She was a, um, yeah. I heard songs like, wait in water, wait in water, children. Wait in water, God's gonna trouble the water. And it would just be like, I'd just be like, wait in the water, wait in the water, children. So I needed God to trouble, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even, I had no idea what any of that meant. And I would sing those, I'd sing those songs, and my mama played them. I'd just get touched by the Holy Ghost. And I, I see even now, even now as I look back, it was God by the power of His Spirit just helping me through a time where the enemy tried to steal my life. And he healed me. And so I sing those songs. I get undone. I get undone because I think about the goodness of God. What is that? Looked over Jordan. What is that one? A sweet band of angels coming over me, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low. Sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Mm. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm trying to awaken within you the reality that you are spirit, soul, and body. And Jesus comes on the inside of you and you receive him as your Lord and Savior. But you still have the memories of when your dad or your mom or your brother or your first boyfriend or, or your ex-wife or your ex-husband or your children or the earthquake or the car accident. You still have issues of your soul and depression oftentimes ties in to those hurts. Yeah, it can because you ate too much sugar. Yes, that can be true. What are you attached to? Back in your notes, and I'm almost done. You can play something now. Thanks. You're a blessing. I know I started thinking about spirituals and just faded over to Pastor Vince. What's up? <laughs> Ethel was her name, I think. Yeah, she was like a nanny. If you crossed her, you were dead. No, no, for real, for real. In fact, she never, she never, I obeyed her more than I did my parents because you knew she wasn't bluffing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? She'd be like, you'd be like, I think it's that, it's that anointing that D has. D got that, right? That like, and it's like instant order. All chaos flees. What are you attached to? Let me just move through this quickly and we're done. We'll pray. What are you attached to? Jonah was attached to some things that weren't from God. And sometimes you can be attached to things that are not from God. Listen, trust his leadership. 
If it didn't happen yet, is he not the judge of all? Is he not? Is he, is he not able to do for you what you need to have done when you quit being a little brat? Oh, I know it's hard, but I've been there. Oh, you didn't. Uh, uh, not going to serve you anymore. He's like, all right. You know, little did you know, if he gave it to you, you'd have, you'd have wiped out your whole life with that. But you insisted that you have it. Then he doesn't give it to you, and then you curse him because he doesn't. And he's like, oh, well, trying to help you. And then you go around the mountain 40 years later, and you're like, oh, I see your wisdom now. He's like, it's okay. I still love you. It's all right. What a good God we serve. He's a good God. Listen, just let go of some of the stuff that you're attached to that's not of God. You don't see it in the Word, let it go. If it's in the Word, it says you can have it here, then stand on it. And don't let anything else creep in. You know what you should be attached to? Everything He said you could have right here. After that, if you're not 100% sure, just let it go and trust His leadership and quick bellyache Him. Because that'll bring depression. Blocked goals can bring depression. Now I should have a house by now and I'm in my mid-40s. Where's my house? I should be the president of the United States by now. Don't lie to yourself. Oh, snap. Lots of people lying to themselves. Jonah does that. So thankful for the Lord and for loving relationships in the house of God where people confront you love you enough to tell you that you got lettuce in your teeth and you lie to yourself. You need to t- t- snap out of it. Keep raising your kids that way. You'll have a prison ministry, honey. Come on, Rob. Give me an amen. Welcome home. <laughs> Lastly, change the pattern of your thinking. All right, I got I to gotta do number three in conclusion and we're done. We can be used to help others. God not only wants you to be set free from depression, but he wants you to use you to set others free. Okay, right? And so God desires us to use to help others. I love the fact that 1,021 souls. That's helping others. Now they need to be discipled. My grandfather said, you, clean, you catch the fish, you clean the fish. It was a grandfather, granddad said that. Catch the fish, clean the fish. We need to see all them disciples. Jesus, help us. Lord, bring them in. I pray even now. Bring them in. Ask God for compassion for people. I, I, I sometimes come short with that. I do. Sometimes I come short. Usually when I'm tired, I've had too much sugar. <laughs> Listen. Effectively, that's relating to moods, feelings, attitudes. Listen in a way. Come on, men can be challenged when it comes to listening. You're like, what? Men can be challenged when it comes to listening. Listening and caring. Believe with them that God will give them revelation and bring healing. I am done. But I feel like the Lord put his finger on a couple things for people. And I want to pray for you. That depression would never go, never come to your life again. And that you would be in a place of being healed. You know, you give your heart to Jesus. That's salvation. Then the process of becoming more like him is called sanctification. In that process, there has to come a renewing of your mind and a healing of your emotions and your memories. Well, well how do I know if I need healing in my emotions or my memories? It's really easy. If it hurts... You need healing. Pretty simple. Like I said, I didn't need healing over my dad dropping me on my head. I did need healing of some other stuff that you wouldn't think would be a big deal, but it was a big deal to me. Somebody said, well, how do I know if it's a big deal or not? If it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal. That's it. And so what do you do then? Then you bring that to the Lord and you forgive those who perpetrated against you. You forgive yourself. You get prayer. Some of you are angry at God because he allowed that thing. Listen, God did not author the, the destruction that took place in your home. That was not from God. That was from the devil. The devil sent that. God's mercy is that you're here hearing the sound of my voice today to tell you that he loves you and he's got healing and wholeness for you. That's God's mercy and goodness towards you. And, and what God wants you to do is create now a home that's healed and whole. You raise your own children or your grandchildren or whatever babies you're helping out. 
in the blessing of the Lord without depression, anxiety, and fear. Stand up on your feet all across this place. It's real Christianity that goes after that kind of stuff. And one moment, one touch from God, one touch from God can free you from all of it. And yet, there's other, other times, as the psalmist said, he trains my hands for war. I've had more happen in altars, and then there's been times where I had to get in it and, and work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The salvation, the sozo, the healing in your mind. Talk about things and process things and then, and then get healing. I've had things that I didn't even know were issues, and then 10 years into salvation, boom, there it is. That happens for many women especially that have gone through things. Not men too. And it's sort of hidden. And then you get a level of healing and then all of a sudden you realize, what the heck did my brother do? Oh my God. And it's like, you're saved 10 years and all of a sudden it comes to light. How could that be? Because now you're ready. Now you're ready. Now you've got the tools. What God reveals, God heals. And I want to pray for anybody here who's been moved. In other words, the Lord has touched you in some way where you're like, when I heard the Jetsons thing, it was then I knew. Whatever it is, I want to pray for healing for you. You would never be depressed again. That God would break you free from that turmoil, that sorrow. Just come all the way up to the front. You need prayer. You want prayer. Come. Maybe you went through divorce with your parents or yourself. In my life, I was married when I was 21. I was divorced by the time I was 23. Then I got gloriously saved. That, that, that whole two, three years right there, I needed so much healing. I mean, I did. I was brokenhearted, disappointed. 21, but really emotional 15-year-old. What most people don't realize is when, when you begin to, I mean, I, I'm going to shoot high. I see little ones, so I'll just say it like over their heads, all right? Somebody needs to hear this. When you begin to get active, Intimate? Does that whatever age that happened outside of marriage is where you become frozen in your emotions? I mean, they've done all kinds of reports on it. That when they were when somebody was 13 or 14 or 15, they got active and intimate at that time outside of marriage, in sin, that kind of thing. Boom! That's where that person is frozen in certain places of their emotions right at that age, and that creates actually like the physical act. It creates a tie that literally that person gets a piece of you and you get a piece of them. And literally what they've shown is that people who've been promiscuous actually have multiple personality disorders. And you know why I think that is? Because there's a lot of people there. They got a bunch of pieces taken and a bunch of pieces added. I can exactly do an altar call for that, but maybe we should. Okay, we will. If you need to be free from some of that stuff. Listen, my wife and I went through all of this. We weren't like good little Christians when we got married. We got set on fire after we got saved. Before that, we were very unsaved. Especially unsaved. God set us free. I'm trying to help you. Some, some, of you, some of you got conflict in your soul because you just need healing. Some of you still, some of you, there, there, there's some actually still, even though this, this one, you better not answer this one, but just answer it to the Lord. Don't be like waving your hand. That's me. That would be a bad idea. There is, a, there's a word of knowledge that there's a, a couple here, and when a couple, I mean a few different people, few, two, three, that even though you're married, the imagination still rolls from previous intimacies. 
even though you're married now. That is a demonic thing and you need to drive it right out of your life. You don't entertain that. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Let's pray. Father, whatever the need, whatever the cause, whatever the loss, whatever the trauma, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now. Release your healing power. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.